0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guests today are Leif Arneson and Dr. Daphne Bascom. They are from the vegan gym, and they're going to tell you how you can thrive as a healthy, strong vegan woman, and man too, probably. At any age, please welcome them both to the show. It's nice to see you again, Leif, and it's nice to meet you, Daphne. Nice to meet you.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: I see over your shoulder, like what looks like maybe a bunch of medals.
1: Oh, yeah. is uh, that yeah. me? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Those are medals from road races. Well, I can't wait to hear all about it.
0: So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you guys side by side and then I'll ask you some questions. And the first one is what the heck is the vegan gym? Is it a gym for vegans?
1: Uh, yeah, basically. So it the Vegan Gym is an online community of like-minded vegans who are working together to inspire change, spread compassion, and challenge the status quo. So that's what we're all about. So we've got vegans from all walks of life, uh, all different genders, different fitness levels, backgrounds, and... Uh, uh, length of time that they've been vegan. So lots of different people from all different walks of life who are coming together to uh, work on themselves, work on accomplishing their health and fitness goals, work on transforming their bodies and lives, working on inspiring others to consider adopting a uh, a plant-based diet, uh, a vegan lifestyle to help um, just yeah, spread the vegan message. So that's what this is all about. That's what we do. And there are kind of uh, a lot of cool stuff that's happening under the vegan gym umbrella, but it's totally online. We do not have a physical location yet, uh, but being online allows us to work with people from all over the world and build a really cool community of people from all different backgrounds.
0: That, you know, that would be so cool if one day like Gold's Gym, like there were vegan gyms, like in every major city or even not major city. Wouldn't that be cool?
1: Yeah, one day we are planning on opening a physical location. So that's uh, the timeline is TBD, but it's it's definitely something we're interested in.
0: You know, um, I can see one of the live viewers. Uh, I don't know. You might have heard of him. His name's Robert Cheek.
1: <laughs> I certainly have heard of him. I was just talking with him earlier today, actually.
0: Nice. So, you know, Daphne, Leif's been on the show before with his brother, so I know a little bit about his story, and I'd like him to also repeat it because not everybody saw that episode. But tell, tell us yours. We love to know when people went vegan, why they went vegan, and things like
2: that. Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, so I am a physician by background. I trained as an otolaryngologist, head and neck surgeon and mainly spent most of my life treating patients with head and neck cancer. And I can tell you that no one ever told me about the benefits of plant-based nutrition in terms of health and wellness in general. It wasn't until I've had a lot of career changes. And in one phase of my life, I was working with the YMCA of Greater Kansas City and joined the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And it was at one of the aclm meetings where they showed the game changers then seeing the game changers was a game changer for me because after seeing the evidence i couldn't you can't hide and i immediately decided that i wanted to adopt this way of living and i went from being a physique competitor that ate the broccoli and the fish and the steak to being fully plant-based and i've never looked back i am in my late fifties and I feel healthier and more vibrant than ever. Nice. So I didn't know you were a doctor, doctor. Are you still practicing medicine at all? No, ma'am. I am fully working with the vegan gym. Um, I don't practice medicine, but I practice delivering health care. I don't practice in the sick care system any longer.
0: That's amazing. Well, congratulations. That's that's. I mean, you, you know, you. I mean, it's so hard to become a doctor and all those years in medical school, and like, you walked away.
2: I I, I walked away, but I walked towards something that I think. I mean, when Leif talked about the mission and vision of the vegan gym, it is not just to, you know, help a million vegans become the healthiest and the fittest they can be, but it's to help all of us become healthier, and. Part of what I learned while I was practicing and had many different iterations, and I've worked in healthcare technology, I've worked in population health, I've worked in community health. I think that food is medicine. I think that a lot of the messages that we deliver with ACLM in terms of the six pillars, eating plant-based, sleep, nutrition, reducing stress, being physically active, avoiding risky substances and social connection, that's where health comes from. Um, You know, treating sick care, you know, being part of the sick care system, I was blessed to be a surgeon and to be in people's lives, but I really want to keep people healthy. I wanna keep people out of the healthcare system and working with this amazing team is one way I can do that.
0: And what do you do for a vegan gym?
2: I am one of the health coaches. So I work with clients every single day, um, helping them with their mindset, their meals, and their movement. Uh, you know, I, I call it the three M's um, helping them understand how to move, how to be physically active, how to eat healthfully, whether in meeting them where they are, and then also really focusing on mindset, because I think that's a large part of adopting and changing behavior to be, to become healthier. That's fantastic. Now you mentioned the vegan superhero Academy. Will one of you guys
0: tell us what that is. And I could have sworn Leif, there was a YouTube commercial for it. And it was like hilarious. Is that true? Cause that was so funny.
1: Uh Yeah, there's been a, a few commercials that we launched, so I don't know which one you're talking about, but, uh, but yeah, we, we like to have, um, Everything that Daphne said is is really what we believe and we're here to transform people's lives through health and fitness and I think a really important component of that is having fun and enjoying what you're doing. So we like to add a little bit of humor to pretty much everything that we do and so our ads are one of those kind of avenues that we add some humor to. But yeah, the Vegan Superhero Academy is an online one-on-one coaching program designed to help vegans get into the best health and shape of their lives. So we work with vegans from all different walks of life, all ages, genders, uh, fitness levels, um, experience with being vegan. Some of our clients are going vegan for the first time, and they just want to do that with the support and help of some experienced professionals. Within nutrition and fitness. So yeah, Daphne is one of our amazing coaches. We have um, 14 coaches now. So we've been growing quite a bit. And we are, I'm really proud to say that we're the most experienced uh, vegan fitness coaching team in the world, based on the experience of all of our coaches. And we also have a registered dietitian on staff. So we're really well equipped to help a wide range of vegans uh, from all walks of life to improve their health and fitness and accomplish uh, whether that's build the best body of their lives. And that's their goal, or they want to improve their health or improve their endurance with some kind of uh, road races. Uh, That's what Daphne kind of mentioned is one of her interests. So we just are kind of a really comprehensive program designed to, to coach vegans and do that in a really supportive way. Yeah. So we have um, potentially the coolest aspect of the Vegan Superhero Academy is a community behind it. So we've got a really talented coaching team, but the community, all the other vegans in the program who are working together to get into the best shape of their lives and really work to inspire change, spread compassion, challenge the status quo. They are all working together uh, to encourage each other, support each other, and give each other accountability along their journey.
0: You would assume that it's called the vegan gym, people would be vegan, but do they have to be
1: vegan to come to you? We only work with people who are ready to follow a vegan lifestyle. But some people do come to us and they say, hey, I'm not vegan right now, but I want to go vegan and I want to do that with some, I want some guidance from somebody who has experience with the nutrition and training portions of this new journey that I want to take on. So we, uh, there is a portion of our clientele who is not vegan coming into the program, but they go vegan day one with, with our guidance.
0: That's great. Robert says he's writing about you right now. Robert's writing a new book. Robert has a regular show on this channel, the fourth uh, Thursday of every month. So, you know, Aleph, you were on, you have a fantastic story, you and your brother, and there is another episode that you were on I can link to it, but this might be the first time people are seeing and hearing you. So maybe tell your story as well.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll keep it brief because I have gone into a little bit more detail on uh two other episodes with you. But yeah, basically, I was following a very meat heavy diet in college, and I was getting into working out and getting into bodybuilding and just consuming tons and tons of animal products, whey protein shakes, and just a a lot of uh, animal based foods. And right before my senior year, uh, in August, right before my senior year, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer after having surgery to remove what I believe to be a cyst. Uh, That's what I was told by the doctors. And once they did a biopsy, they realized what it was. And that really opened, kind of pushed me on a totally different path when it came to my health journey. And I started doing a lot of research into the, into preventative cancer care and trying to understand what I could do from a lifestyle perspective to get myself to a place where I never had to go through a cancer diagnosis again. So I started learning a lot about the power of a plant-based diet. The first book that I stumbled on was the China study. And after reading that, it just opened up this whole new path for me. So I went whole food plant-based. And then a few months later, I watched the film Earthlings. And that really opened my perspective even more about the broader implications of our lifestyle choices and what it means to be a compassionate Earthling on this planet. And that kind of started more of a personal crusade to really get into the best shape of my life and prove to others what was possible as a vegan. Uh, for the first year that I was vegan, I didn't have the body I wanted to have. I didn't feel like I looked the part. I didn't feel like I was an inspiring example of veganism. and I would get little kind of uh comments here and there from my friends about, oh yeah, well, you're vegan, so, you're not going to be able to like lift as much as me or something like that. So that kind of fueled this competitive uh, drive to prove them wrong and show what was possible. So I started really going down the path of uh, learning about how to apply a plant-based vegan lifestyle to my health and fitness journey, how to, what to eat to both be in the best health possible, but also transform my body and my strength in that process. So started doing that and then started blogging about it and trying to share what I was learning with other people. And then I started getting requests for helping out with coaching or giving some nutrition advice and stuff. And I just kept doing more of that. And then uh, my brother ended up starting to help out. And then we just kind of grew from there. And now we're uh, we've got a team of 25 really talented vegans who are working with hundreds of uh, vegans in the, in the vegan superhero Academy.
0: That's
2: fantastic. Daphne, do you work exclusively with women at the vegan gym? I do not. So I, our head coach, Laura, um, at the vegan gym has a team and she calls us all unicorns. We can work with men, women, um, All of our coaches are talented and we educate everyone on how to meet people where they are. So whether you're talking to a man or woman in their twenties or in their eighties, we can work with everyone. And I have, I work with men and women today. Well, that's fantastic. Do a lot of clients come to either of you specifically for weight
0: loss?
1: Yeah, so the majority of our clients are focusing on weight loss. And that's, that's the main reason they sought us out in the first place. So we have tons and tons of experience working with weight loss clients. So the answer is, is yes.
0: Uh, Daphne, though, because you're a woman, uh, you probably understand, not that the men don't understand, but you have the same parts and you understand that sometimes hormones, menopause, things like that play a role. And what kind of uh, help can you give women that are struggling with their weight loss journey during menopause, perimenopause, postmenopause? Are, do we have to be a victim of our hormones?
2: Chef AJ, we are not victims, period. Um, I would say we're vixens, not victims. Uh, so, As I said, we meet people where they are. And the first thing I would love to say to anyone listening is that menopause is not a disease. There are definite changes that occur with our hormones that make us more likely to gain weight in the perimenopausal period, but it is possible to lose weight and to gain muscle from perimenopause through that point in time of menopause into the postmenopausal period. And we work with a lot of women who are trying to do body recomposition while they're going through that change. And we focus on the same things that we do with every other member of VSA movement, your meals, eating plant-based and focusing on your mindset, but understanding one that your hormones don't dictate the outcome Um, really and there's a lot of literature and You know, Chef AJ, I know you've probably seen a lot of women that you've coached too that have struggled with, especially kind of that abdominal obesity that occurs as they're going through perimenopause and menopause. But if you adopt a healthy nutrition lifestyle, if you adopt plant-based, if you move your body, and if you make these changes part of your lifestyle, it doesn't have to be your destiny that you have that weight gain that is so frequently associated with menopause. Do you have suggestions on how we can optimize our hormonal health? Uh, the, I do. Um, so the first thing I would say is eat plant-based. I, and I, I feel very strongly about that. Um, partly because one, it is, I think the healthiest diet available in terms of reducing inflammation and providing all of the foundations in terms of antioxidants, nutrients, just to make you overall healthy, hormones aside. And that is true for men and women. When it comes to balancing hormones, um, a lot of the things that we focus on relate to being more physically active. And I'll kind of break that into two categories. One is your cardiovascular system and how you implement cardio or you know, movement into your day. And then the other is how you maintain your muscular strength while you're going through menopause. There's lots, there's a significant body of evidence related to the benefits of adaptogens, soy, and a lot of the other foods in terms of helping modulate a lot of the symptoms that we go through during menopause. I know you've had, you know, Dr. Bernard on your podcast, Um, who's been talking about the work that they do at PCRM related to eating soy and the fact that it can mitigate some of the symptoms related to hot flashes and other things that women experience during menopause. The other thing is that every part of your body has hormonal receptors and because of the changes that occur with your estrogen and your progesterone during menopause, every body system can be impacted. Eating plant-based and being vegan, you are actually taking in nutrition that can help your physical health and your mental health and your hormonal health. When it when I'm thinking about you know working with women in the Vegan Superhero Academy who are either perimenopausal or menopausal, some of the things we like to focus on are making sure that they're continuing to Maintain or even advance their muscular strength because one, muscle is more metabolically active. So it can help you in increasing, you know, burning the engine a little hotter, which can help your basal metabolic rate, which is something that can help you reduce the risk that you may put on weight during that transition. But it also will help with your insulin sensitivity. It will help with other things that are impacted when estrogen declines during menopause. So we encourage women who are part of VSA to be active in the gym, to lift weights if they're able to, and to stimulate that muscular development, because that's part of recompositioning your body as you're trying to go through this change, but it also helps with that hormonal balance. Right. The other thing Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Stop. I can't. No, 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 no. I keep keep talk going. forever. This Im- no, this, no. This is
0: an important topic. So
2: please keep going. Absolutely. Um, the last thing, and, and then I'll pause and take a deep breath, is we encourage women to also, um, you know, not just move, but to move in a way that will help balance their hormones. And it's not steady state cardio, it really is incorporating. Tabata or high intensity interval training and other types of movement patterns that there is demonstrated evidence shows can help not only with that hormonal balance in terms of making sure that you are optimizing your estrone and your estradiol that remains as you're going through menopause, but stimulating and in decreasing the chance that you're going to develop some of that abdominal obesity that may occur. So lifting heavy and undergoing interval type of training, um, whether it's sprint interval or high intensity interval, those are two modalities of physical activity that we encourage women to participate in who are part of VSA. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, Leif, you recently did on your YouTube channel,
0: a review of like 70 protein powders. And I'm curious, I mean, I, I can link to that video, so people should watch it. But I'm just curious, if, like you can uh, give us uh, a little lowdown on protein powders in general. Is it something that we have to consume if we're, if we're working with you? Is it something women should consume? And I'm curious, like who won? Like, were there categories like best tasting, most protein, Worse tasting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, we literally spent months working on that protein powder review and the taste test alone took about seven hours straight. of taste testing protein powders and, uh, don't want to repeat that anytime soon, but it was, yeah, we, we did a really comprehensive review of protein powders. We looked at taste, we looked at the protein percentage, we looked at heavy metals, which are an important consideration when you're choosing a protein powder. Obviously, we don't want heavy metals in our protein powder. We looked at the ingredient profile and uh, analyzed any kind of potentially uh, filler ingredients or additives that were unnecessary to be consuming in protein powder. So we looked at a wide variety of different factors. And then we scored all of them across these different categories. And then we crowned an ultimate winner. so yeah, you can you can check out the full review for all the details it's um it's pretty involved so I I, I can't uh easily reference a bunch of it now. but to answer a question about protein powder uh you I consume one to two scoops of protein powder per day. That's not something that everybody needs to do. It's based on, what you are eating what is what does your diet consist of what is your lifestyle and what are your actual protein needs so you need to consider all of these factors so first looking at am i consuming lots of different sources of whole food protein daphne mentioned soy earlier i eat a heck of a lot of tofu so that's one way that i get lots of additional protein in my diet But as far as my lifestyle, I enjoy just grabbing a protein shake on the go. I've got lots of things going on and it's a really convenient way to get a quick source of vegan protein. So that's a, that's kind of one lifestyle consideration that you could factor in. And then what are your protein needs? How much protein do you actually need to be consuming on a daily basis Lots of people within the fitness industry overestimate how much protein they actually need to be consuming to maintain or build lean muscle mass, whether you are focusing on weight loss or you're focusing on building muscle or building strength or whatever your particular fitness goals are, protein is important, but lots of people in the fitness industry traditionally overestimate the amount of protein that you actually need to be consuming. But with that being said, there are lots of people who also kind of brush aside protein and say it's not really important as long as you're just eating a bunch of whole plant foods. So eating a lot of wholesome plant foods is fantastic for getting a bunch of micronutrients nutrition in your diet. And that's great as far as health is concerned. But if you have a body composition goal, in other words, I want to build muscle or I want to lose body fat, I want to decrease my body fat percentage or I want to increase my strength or whatever your kind of specific fitness goals are, if you have a a specific fitness goal, it is important for you to be considering your protein intake. If you just eat a diverse array of different wholesome plant foods, You don't need to worry about protein intake unless you are you have a defined fitness goal that you're working towards, and in that case, it would be beneficial to increase your protein intake uh, to a point. You need to kind of run through and analyze how much how much protein your body truly needs, and there are a bunch of different kind of calculations that you can use to arrive at an estimated uh, target intake. But you don't need to. You don't need to go crazy with it. So it my answer to whether you need protein powder or not really depends on those factors. I think in general, I've seen lots of people benefit from adding a protein shake per day. And you do need to find one that tastes good, uh, one that is actually healthy. And we can we'll break that down for you in that protein review if you if anyone wants to watch that.
0: Thank you. Uh, Marianne, who's watching live, says she's diagnosed with MS. And are you familiar with working with people with disabilities?
2: We are. Um, So we work with everyone who is interested in joining the Vegan Superhero Academy, whether it is someone with MS, we have VSA members that are thrivers from cancer, um, that cardiac disease, diabetes. um, So the The breadth and scope of the different types of chronic diseases that we help our VSA members manage is broad.
1: Yeah, we actually, uh, one person in particular, we've worked with a few people who are diagnosed with MS and one person in particular, CATS. Uh, She's a single mom, and she had been diagnosed with MS a few years prior to joining the Vegan Superhero Academy, and she had a pretty amazing transformation. And those are are really the most inspiring clients to kind of watch their progress. And we love working with people to overcome any kind of uh, conditions that they face.
0: Nice. Thanks. Uh, Sheila said she tuned in live. Is the program in person, online? What is the cost? And what I would ask you guys is, like, is it ongoing? Do they sign up for a certain amount of time? You know, like, how does it work, for example?
1: Yeah, so step number one is going to vegansuperheroacademy.com, or you could just go to the vegangym.com and click on coaching. And we'll walk through, we have an FAQ section at the bottom, and it will answer a bunch of those questions. And you can also learn a lot more about our program on that website. But uh, in the, the simple answer is that it depends. It's what we do is fully customized to the clients that we're working with. This is not a cookie cutter program. I don't believe cookie cutter programs work, at least not long term, and at least not for majority of people. So we don't do anything cookie cutter, everything is 100% customized. And that includes the duration of time that you are spending in the Vegan Superhero Academy. So uh, many of our clients work with us for over a year, they have some long term goals that they want to accomplish, they really love being a part of the community. So it really the the price and duration depend on how long you're in the program. So we walk through uh, that process by starting on our website. So it's an application process and you would just fill out a short application and then we'll hop on a call with you to talk through your goals and get to know you more and figure out whether this is the right fit for you. Or if it's, if we don't feel like it is, we can point you in the right direction.
0: Terrific. Thank you. So Mona's asking that instead of protein powders, what if she just uses soy milk? Would that work?
1: So soy milk is pretty high in protein. Generally, it's about eight grams per cup. So definitely has a it's definitely a good source of protein. Uh, It comes down to how much soy milk you want to drink and how well that fits into your calories. So there are the two main things that we are looking at from a nutrition perspective when it comes to accomplishing any kind of fitness goals. And by fitness goals, I mean some kind of body recomposition goal to lose body fat build lean muscle or do both. So when it comes to that, the, we're looking at two main nutrition components. We're looking at the calories that we're consuming and we're also looking at our protein intake, of course the nutrition. So what kind of nutrients we're getting from our diet is also absolutely critical. But as far as what your body is doing, in terms of building muscle and losing body fat, the two most important considerations are calories and protein intake. And we need to balance both of these. So we'll use soy milk as an example for this. So a cup of soy milk generally has maybe 100 calories, and it's eight grams of protein. So it would be eight times uh, 24. So we'd get it uh, because there are or no, eight times four, because there are four calories per gram. So we'd arrive at about 32 calories out of that hundred. So it's about 30% protein is what we could call soy milk versus a protein powder that might also be somewhere around a hundred to 120 calories or something per serving, but it has 20 to 25 grams of protein uh, of protein. So the protein percentage of something like protein powder is going to be much higher. And that's, uh, so the reason this matters is because we can play around with our calories and protein to make sure that we're consuming the right amount of protein without adding tons of extra calories. So to, to answer the question, can you get enough protein from incorporating soy milk, eating lentils, having some other maybe whole food sources of protein? Yes, certainly. But if we're trying to lose body fat, we need to keep our calories in check, which might mean that we need to uh, incorporate some higher, uh, some foods that have higher protein percentages, like maybe a protein powder or having some more soy based products like tofu for lunch or something like that. So Yes. Great source of protein. We just need to make sure that the calories and protein are working together to accomplish our goals.
0: Thanks. Daphne, I don't know if you ever watched the show before, but one of the questions that every guest gets asked is what do you eat in a day? And <laughs> did you ever struggle with any kind of weight problems in your life?
2: Um, I, Chef AJ, I've, I'm a fan, so I'm fangirling as we're sitting here. So yes, I've watched your show a lot and You know, I I, first of all, I want to thank you for doing what you do because, especially during the pandemic, being able to watch you and expanding your show was was significant. And all the guests that you bring forward and the opportunity to share what you've been doing with so many different people—it's great. Um, So, thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, So, I was, uh, and I've shared this even with my clients. I was thunder thighs and bubble butt when I was growing up. So, and and it's funny because those memories, those words stick with you, you know, even as you get older and maybe you're no longer the the chubby girl or the fat girl, you still feel that or you still hear those words. So I I was managed to overcome that Um, and in my forties, so as part of kind of a life change of myself, I actually treated myself to some personal training, and it was at that time that I became interested in physique composition. So I started kind of on the chubby side, and I was not a healthy eater. Um, I, during part of my career, I traveled every week, I ate a lot of hotel food, I probably drank a little too much wine, and so going into my 40s, I realized it was an opportunity to focus on my health. And I became interested in physique composition competitions, did some figure competitions, did some bikini competitions, and learned a lot about how I can change my body through nutrition and exercise. So went from being the the chubby girl, sometimes still in my head, to being able to walk across the stage and um, actually get my pro card and figure and bikini. Wow. Can we see that anywhere? If you Google, you'll probably be able to find it. Well, fantastic. I love it. So,
0: what's unique about the Vegan Superhero Academy, especially for women that will help them meet their
2: health goals?
1: You want to take that, Daphne?
2: I absolutely would love to. Chef AJ, I think there's a couple of things, and I want to go back to what Leif said around probably the the thing that's most valuable and unique is the community. So coming into a community of like-minded men and women who are vegan, who are able to share their journey and from whom and with whom we can learn as we manage life struggles together, I think that's one of the biggest value propositions for women. I think the other thing is having coaches, a coaching team that understands the whole spectrum of how society has impacted how women view their bodies. So it's not just about meal plans and nutrition and going to the gym. We understand about how to manage disordered eating, how to develop better relationships with food, how to navigate life's changes, whether you're a mom, maybe you're a new mom and trying to manage post-pregnancy, whether you're in that perimenopausal period, I think all of those things we bring to the table, both as a coaching team and as a community and can help women feel empowered and feel strong. And I hear this from my clients. I mean, when when you see women at the gym and they're doing overhead presses or they're seeing their triceps go or their biceps grow or they're doing squats or they're you know just walking distances that they haven't been able to walk before, they're standing taller and they're feeling prouder. And I think all of that, that you, not just the meals and the movement, but the mindset and understanding how to make a vegan lifestyle, one that you want to adopt forever and focusing on longevity and not just you know looking good now, looking good in the bathing suit, looking good for the wedding, but what am I going to be like when I'm 80 years old? and I'm a strong, healthy vegan woman or man, but we were talking mainly about women in my eighties because all of the things that you can do now set you up to be that healthy person in your eighties. And and those are all things we talk about. So we don't just give people meal plans and exercise. We help them understand what does it take to be a healthy vegan? How do you start to get off the medications if you're on them? And then how do you adopt the functional behaviors that whether it's sitting, standing, squatting, lifting that you need to be strong and mobile and agile and flexible to do when you're in your eighties and nineties? Fantastic.
0: Here's a question. You know, we had Dr. Stefan Esser on the show yesterday. He's a medical doctor trained at Harvard Sports Medicine, and his whole thing was about exercise. He's so passionate about it. And this would have been a great question for him as well yesterday, but I'll let you guys give us your opinion from Gabriella, who says, well, what advice would you give someone who doesn't have the energy or the drive to get started exercising?
1: That's a great question. Daphne, you want to answer that first?
2: Uh, Gabriella, um, thank you for the question. And One, I would say join VSA because I think working with a coach can help you, you know, have someone, that cheerleader who can help you find the energy or the drive. But two, it's as simple as walking a little bit further than you did yesterday. So not necessarily thinking that you have to go to the gym for 30 minutes, whether it's walking up and down the stairs in your home or your apartment building walking to the end of your driveway, we meet you where you are and help you find ways to become more physically active. It could be sitting. I mean, I've written plans for some VSA members where we start just for thinking about sitting and standing from a chair. Um, So we want to help you get that energy, get that motivation, but it's taking baby steps and helping you get the confidence and the energy to keep making that progress.
1: There's one other thing that I'd love to add to that. Uh, Thank you, Daphne. And that's finding activities that you truly enjoy. Exactly. Just, I think I touched on this at the beginning, but I think I truly believe fitness should be fun. And if it's not fun, then Mm -hmm. we need to find some other activities that are fun. Moving our body feels good. And when you are doing activities that you enjoy, you can really cultivate that inspiration to actually get out there and move your body. When you think of fitness, you don't, um, and you always associate that with going to the gym and doing squats. And I really don't like doing squats. Okay. We can do other things. There are other, there are so many different ways that you can move your body. Maybe it's roller skating. Maybe it's, uh, going on hikes, maybe whatever it is, like there are so many ways that we can incorporate movement and and fitness into our lives. I think that's really important. And one other uh, important thing to keep in mind is understanding the why behind what you yeah. are doing. Why? Yeah. Why do you want to make a change with your fitness? Maybe. Uh, for lots of our parents that we work with, they want to be an inspiration to their kids. They want to inspire their kids to live healthy lives, and they want to be able to be around long term to watch their grandkids grow up and just be a part of their of their lives. That's a really powerful why. Or we have another um, we have another clients. Uh, Mikey, he, every single time that he got out of the shower, he would turn the lights off because he didn't want to see himself in the mirror. And for him, he wanted to become more confident. And that was the driving force behind saying, you know what, I'm not where I want to be. And this is kind of scary to me, but I need to get a coach. I need to get someone who can guide me along this way. And I'm, I need to figure this out because I want to live life on my terms, I want to be more confident, and I want to show up more powerfully in my life. So those are two examples of what a powerful why might be for you. And there are a whole different range of of reasons why you might want to transform your body and health, but finding a powerful reason to do it and not just saying, you know what, I'd like to lose a little weight, that would probably that would be nice. That's not, that's not a, a powerful why. So getting really clear on your why. That's actually one of the first things that we start with all of our clients is getting clear on our goals, getting clear on our why, and understanding what the best path to accomplish this is. And part of that, getting back to the preferences, is understanding what do you enjoy eating? What do you enjoy doing in terms of movement? Because if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to stick with it long-term. And we're all about long-term, building a long-term, sustainable, healthy, fit, vegan lifestyle. So that's incredibly important.
0: Great. Here's a question for you, Daphne from Alexandria. Uh, Do you personally do any stress management techniques like yoga or meditation? Because she wants to know what's the secret to your tranquil
2: vibe. Were you just born with a no stress gene?
1: You're muted uh, you right now. Um, yeah.
2: That's very kind of you. Uh, no, I I learned about stress probably in my 40s. Again, for some reason, 40 was a pivotal year. Um, I'm a Headspace fan. So I actually, I do have a routine. Um, I listen to Headspace a lot of times at night. I'm a, do my legs up the wall before I go to bed, listen to a sleep meditation and use that to help me de-stress at night. Uh, Occasionally I do yoga. Uh, Thank you for asking. I won't say that I have a regular practice, but I'm practicing to get better. And then I try and find ways. I mean, for me, getting back to what Leif said, going out for a walk every morning is my meditation. And it doesn't have to be a long walk, but it's just my time to be thankful that I'm here in the world, reflect on what's going on, get ready for the day. So I've learned to carve out a little bit of time to for myself and to do that mini meditation, even if it's two minutes, just to center myself and um, remember my why, but also to give myself grace when things aren't going well, or I am super stressed and find ways to bring myself back down to where i'd like to be but it's it's an ever i learn every day i learn about myself i learn how to manage and i try and find different tools that can help that's
0: great you know you talked about leif about doing what you love you ever met people that they just don't like anything
1: um i honestly can't say i have (laughs) oh i (laughs) have anyone (laughs) yeah um you're you're talking about specifically in terms of fitness
0: yes in terms of fitness yeah yeah I think
1: okay I guess there are a handful of examples I can think of over the past few years of people who just really had a serious aversion to to any kind of movements and um and they just didn't feel like that was for them and I i So, yes, I think that that exists with some people. But I also I think that they just haven't found the thing that really matters to them, the thing that they would really truly fall in love with and the the kind of movement that would align with the person they want to be. So, Daphne, would you have anything to add on to that?
2: I would agree with you.
1: So I think, I think there are, there are uh, kind of mindset things that we would need to work through if that's, if you honestly felt like I don't like any kind of movement. And again, we've been talking about a lot of different types of movement, going on a hike, going kayaking, going roller skating, uh, going rock climbing, doing it, going to the gym, Playing on the playground, I could just keep going. <laughs> there are thousands of different ways to move your body. So to say that uh nothing appeals to you, I think you just maybe haven't truly given it uh given everything a shot.
0: i get people to tell me that I don't like any vegetables. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, that might be a little more common.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, here's a question from a live viewer. And it is, uh, what is your take on vibration boards for people who are sedentary in particular?
1: I got some thoughts on that. Daphne, you want to take that?
2: Hey, I don't have a lot of experience with vibration boards. So I'll kick that over to you.
1: Okay. So I guess i um, I would assume that we're talking through the context of weight loss. So if you're, I was actually just asked the other day, what, what do I think about wearing kind of like a sweat band around your, around your body or kind of vibration boards and stuff like that? I would throw into the same category and it's just a, it's just a bunch of products that really don't live up to any marketing hype there. Um, so yeah, I don't, uh, I don't use them. Don't recommend them. That's, that's a short and sweet answer.
0: I d- d- doesn't Dr. Furman have something like that though, for a different reason? Not, I don't know what it is. He, he, he sells some kind of machine. I'm not sure what it is. If
1: we're
2: a vibration if we're plate, about, yeah, sorry, I, sorry. I'm just okay. not sure.
1: Okay. If we're talking about, Uh, stimulating the lymphatic system. And that's what we're trying to get out of it. Uh, There are things like rebounding, or maybe there's some type of vibration board that does some pretty serious vibrations, (laughs) similar to what you might experience bouncing on a trampoline or something. I'm not exactly sure what the intended use is there, but I've I've heard of vibration boards uh, used In the context of weight loss. So that's what I was specifically speaking Ah, to.
0: Nice. Okay. Thanks. Let me see if there's any more. Oh, here's a question in the chat. I was going to a trainer. My goal was getting rid of my spongy thighs. It didn't happen. How can I get my thighs firm again if I'm 62 years old? Oh, it's the power plate that Dr. Furman
2: power plate that, okay. I was, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, Stephanie, so, I'll let you take
0: that. What do we do for
2: spongy female thighs in a 62-year-old? So um, that's a great question. I would love to dig deeper into understanding what you're doing today from in terms of your exercise, what your nutrition is like, because it's probably a combination of some of the fat that accumulates around the thighs and, and glutes area, your bottom area, and how to... Develop a physical activity program that you enjoy to get you moving more. And then also to look at your nutrition and understanding how to ensure that you're eating in a way that will support um, a fat loss strategy. While we, you know, there's no spot loss, so we can look at you holistically and try and do some work that would incorporate some exercises to work on your lower body in particular, but look at your whole body in terms of a recomposition strategy. Great, and Thanks. 62 is young.
0: Yeah, that's how old I am, it, but not for long. I'll be 63 any day now. Hey, so here's a question that I'm curious, and you can both give your opinion on, because it's like, we believe in all the pillars of health here. We have several shows on Steph A.J. Live where they're, the lifestyle medicine doctors are talking about all the pillars of health and movement exercise being one of them, in addition to food and sleep. So some there are some schools of thought that exercise is a non-negotiable and that you have to do it every day. And that even if your sleep is compromised, you get up and do it. And then other doctors on the show said, nope, if you're really too tired, you don't, you know, not not that you skip a day, but do you understand the question? Like, where would you prioritize? Because they're both really important. Like I know for me, I exercise probably for a different reason than everybody else. It's not to lose weight because I lost all my weight without exercise. And although I do want to be healthy physically, if I really did, I would probably do some resistance training, which I don't do, but I do it to burn off the anxiety. And I do it first thing in the morning. And, I even do it when I'm sick. I mean, it, well, let me, it depends how sick, not if I have a fever, obviously my doctor has told me you do not exercise, but like, if I'm a little sick, you know, if I have a little asthma or a little pain or a little this or that, and I had a conference this weekend that I produced. And I mean, I, I got up at four in the morning just to not miss my workout. And of course I was like really tired. So I'm curious where you stand on that sleep exercise continuum.
1: I can jump in with some of my thoughts, and then you can take it from there, Daphne. Sure,
2: you know how I feel about sleep.
1: Yes, yeah, I certainly do. So, um, as far as so the the specific question is is uh, is fitness a non negotiable? Was, was that the specific question?
0: Yeah, I mean, but like, like if it's if it's a choice on a given day, if you have pretty good habits, but one day you're just too tired, do you skip it
1: and okay. just sleep? So I've actually, I've kind of been shifting my perspective on this over the last six months I, or so. And I I have really started to just prioritize sleep over everything else. And for me, I, I feel totally different having eight hours of sleep versus six and a half. It is day and night. So for me, I would, I I set up my schedule to be successful, to allow me to do both of those and to incorporate fitness and make sure I'm sleeping enough. I prioritize both of those. But if it if I'm traveling, like you just mentioned, going to a conference, early morning can't get it done. I think it. Uh, I'm mostly going to be prioritizing sleep unless I am super stressed or got tons of anxiety that I just feel like I need to burn off and I'm having stru- uh, trouble sleeping then I might go hit the hit the gym but uh but yeah that's my that's my general response fitness is in my opinion a non-negotiable over the long term for far more than just your body composition uh it just we're looking at overall healthier i think it's a non-negotiable long term but I think, as you just mentioned, you're a great example of losing weight without doing serious exercise. And I don't, that's not a requirement yep. for losing weight. You can do all of that just with nutrition. Yeah. So absolutely, those are my answers. Daphne, do you have anything to add there?
2: No, I agree with you. I mean, I would say that if sleep is a priority and I, I almost feel like we could have a whole conversation just on sleep. I do think movement is something that you should do. So if I'm traveling overseas or, for example, last night, I had a late ACLM meeting, didn't get to bed till 11, made a decision this morning, rather than doing a workout in the gym, I just went for a walk. So had a a very light, casual, leisurely walk in the morning rather than have a heavy workout because I knew I was a little bit more fatigued than I was normally, because I don't like to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night. So I, even when you're tired, if you can incorporate just some light movement, I think that's helpful. Um, even when you're going overseas, traveling, changing time zones. But I agree with Leif, I prioritize, I have found significant benefit from prioritizing sleep and making trade-offs in what I may have planned for my physical activity that day to make sure I'm getting rest and recovery.
0: Yeah, I find it's harder to get people to exercise than it is to eat right. What have you guys discovered? Maybe because you're called the vegan gym, maybe you have the opposite.
1: Yeah, I think it's really client dependence uh, or person dependence. I would say everybody tends to have kind of unique life situations, a unique schedule and life circumstances. And for some people, the idea of making healthy meals and prioritizing that is more challenging than getting to the gym and vice versa. So I don't know that I would I don't know that I would have a great feeling that one is more challenging than the other. Daphne, do you do you feel like there's one or the other that you've found?
2: No, I would agree with you. Uh, although I I would take it back to making sure that we don't think of exercise just as lifting weights or doing something structured uh, because a lot of what we try and focus on for um, from a longevity perspective are movements that are functional and things that you need to be doing every, every single day just to live. And if, if you can't get off the toilet, if you can't get out of your chair, if you can't get out of your bed, even those basic activities are things that we try and help reinforce that these are movement patterns that, mimic other things that you may do in a structured setting, but we want you to be healthy, even doing that form of movement. Um, even if you don't call it exercise. You, I'm, you have such a wonderful voice, Daphne, have you ever thought about doing like,
0: like meditations or, I mean, like you're putting me to sleep and I mean that in a lovely way, not like you're boring. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have a very calm voice and it's very uh, soothing is what I mean. Thank you yeah i could see you doing some med- the the medals that are behind you like are
2: is each one for a different race or yes ma'am i uh i became a runner during covid so i i used to hate running and during co- when we went into lockdown and the gyms closed i started running in the parking garage of my apartment building just because i needed to get off some anxiety energy and then it just progressed over time and now i love it um And it's become just a, I don't want to say meditation, but it is a, I find so much joy in just being out and on the trails or on the road and listening to Chef AJ or just uh, with my thoughts. So each one is from a different race. That's very cool. Hey,
0: hey, Leif, the green lighting, is is this some like sci-fi thing you're in? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> um no actually i'm in my bedroom right now no it's just
0: I, I'm, I'm just thinking like it's either some kind of military sci-fi thing going on with you as yeah
1: yeah just, it definitely has that vibe but that's a uh, more of like a, a vegan vibe green yeah
0: I, I love just i was just funning you, yeah but it looks great yeah. so is going for a long walk at a slow pace on flat ground where you don't get out of breath good exercise or not really for a person who can not do anymore dr esser said yesterday, that we should be able to talk, but not sing. That's the intensity he
1: was looking for. It's fantastic exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's the only form of exercise you should be doing is dependent on what your current kind of physical ability is, and also what are your long-term fitness goals. But it is certainly a fantastic form of exercise. Uh, We really prioritize getting steps in I think that is one of the most underappreciated and undervalued uh, things to track within the context of health and fitness, especially for people who are trying to lose weights. So if you are tracking your step count and just trying to get 5,000 or even 10,000 steps per day, and you're tracking that with an Apple watch, or you're just carrying your phone around, that is a fantastic way to measure your, your progress, uh, from a, from a fitness perspective. So yeah, it's a, it's a great form of exercise.
0: Nice. So if people want to sign up for the vegan gym or follow either of you on social media, where's the best place to go and everything you gave me is in the show notes, just so you know.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Just, uh, the vegan gym.com, or if you're interested in joining the vegan superhero Academy, you can, uh, click on coaching in the menu on the vegan gym.com. Uh, that's going to bring you to vegan com, and you can check that out there. Uh, all of our social media accounts are just at the Vegan Gym or the Vegan Gym. So we're really pushing YouTube recently. So something like the Protein Review and stuff like that, you can find our YouTube channel just by searching the Vegan Gym.
0: Yeah, I, pu- I so, put the link to that actual episode in the show notes because it was so interesting. I thought people might want to watch it.
1: Okay, cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh,
2: so good. Daphne, what about you? Uh, you can find me on the vegan gym page. If you're looking, you'll see all of the coaches. So our entire coaching team has a profile out there. If you wanted to follow me independently on Instagram, you can find me as wingman Daphne. Um, same on Twitter. I'm just Daphne Bascom and Facebook, just Daphne Bascom. Pretty simple you have to be a certain age to work with the vegan gym, like say 18 at least, or?
1: Yeah, I think our young, the youngest client we've ever worked with, it was 18. Um, there might have been one 17 year old, but well, we got uh parental permission to, to work with that person. So yeah, generally we're working with, uh, 18 plus, but we've, we've had clients everywhere from 18 to 78, I think was, uh, our oldest client so far. So, everything in between.
0: Well, fantastic. Let me come back on screen for a minute and say goodbye. And thank you guys so much. I appreciate the work you do.
1: Thank you. And Thanks vice versa. Really appreciate everything Aww. you do.
0: And I love your shirt, vegan superhero, because I think everybody yeah. that's vegan in their own way is a superhero.
1: That's actually, yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of why where the name came from in the. Uh, at the beginning. So, yeah, I think vegans are superheroes. Whether you're a serious athlete into fitness or not, I think everyone's a vegan superhero. Every vegan is a superhero because we're literally saving the world. So, I yeah. think that's pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow, a little earlier at 9 a.m. Pacific time, when I have the return of Dr. Rachel Rubin discussing sexual health. Nobody wants to miss that one.